I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest. Thanks for joining us. If you've tuned in live, you can shoot through a question and be a part of the show as we record the podcast live. Thanks for joining us. This is the podcast where we explore controversial ideas wherever we find them. And rather than debate them, it's a weird thing, uh, we learn about them and more specifically, the people who hold them. My name's Conrad. My co-host is Cam. Or Cameron. <laughs> or Cameron. I mean, whatever you want to go yeah, by. It's your name. Yeah. Okay. And today we're joined by someone who on his Instagram profile, it, it has Christian YouTuber. I'm like, oh, I've heard of YouTubers. Christian YouTuber. Yeah. Justin has joined us. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? We're doing well. We're, we're, here, to, we're here to chat to you today. We, we like to start with the clickbait. For those people just joining us, we start with the clickbait because that's what we all go to. You know, we all get frustrated when we click a YouTube video and it doesn't deliver and you're like, well, that clickbait really pissed me off. (laughs) We hope we can deliver, but if not, that's okay. The point of the clickbait is that when we meet someone, we find someone new, we hear an idea that we might disagree with or it might be challenging, we make a whole bunch of assumptions about the person. Box them. And... Clickbait works because I think we always think in clickbait titles. Yeah. You'll meet someone who's like, oh, like, I, I'm i a casual smoker. You're like, mate, that guy's a chain smoker. He smokes <laughs> yeah. 10 packs a day. It's like, I just had one cigarette. We, yeah. we always like to think in these extreme ways. So we tried to come up with a clickbait. Now, I was I was a bit pressed. I was like, all right, I want to come up with a clickbait that's that's not too offensive or too misleading. Um, and, and I came up with, like, the Christian who listens. Now... That's not too controversial. You know, the Christian was just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> but the implicit and the original camp, the original yeah. I wanted to go with, but I didn't yeah. I didn't have time to run it past Justin. I want to have our guests kind of comfortable. Yeah. It's meant to be misleading, but yeah. you still want to make people comfortable. Yeah. And I wanted to go with Christians don't listen. Oh, yeah, that one hurts a bit. That, would, that, would, <laughs> that would be very tricky. Yeah. But I feel like it's implied. Yeah. It's implied yeah. because... We'll talk to Justin in a little bit about what he's doing and what it's unique. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the Christian who listen implies yeah. that Christians tend to not listen. So right. before we chat to Justin and give some nuance around this idea, Justin, I'll just give a quick uh, overview here. Justin has started or has been running a YouTube channel yep. called, what's it called? Uh, right now it's called I'm Listening. <laughs> I'm Listening. There you right. go. Okay. I didn't yeah. want to get it wrong. It's called I'm Listening. You're like, oh, that's that's interesting. A Christian who listens. Like, yeah. why is that interesting? And we, we we find that an interesting idea to explore. But let's start with a few judgments and, assess, uh, and assumptions. Yeah. This is what we all go to. So people have heard Christian YouTuber. They must have a lot of assumptions. Cam and I, let's be honest, we don't have that many. <laughs> we, <laughs> we really tried to cram a few. Yeah. But we'll go with the, the Christian one. If you're hearing, oh, Christian. So yeah. uh, Justin, simple yes or no, no nuance. You, uh, you mustn't swear. You've never sworn in your life. Or cuss in America. Oh, cuss. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Not true. Not true. Oh, not true. Wow. What, when you stub your toe, you know. <laughs> Let what, one fly. Maybe something comes out. Okay, so that's not true. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so you don't do drugs one. then? like, And you don't, like, don't drink alcohol, don't do drugs, all those sorts of things. Like, it's... Not know, a recreational clean, drug clean user. Clean living, kind clean of. Clean living. No, that's true. Yep. Okay. 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 All right. That one's All right. that one holds 50, up. Okay. 50 so far. So if you're a Christian, then my assumption is your prime objective then is to win souls. When you meet people, you're like, this guy's got to go to heaven. We've got to save as many people as possible. Got to get them, snatch them from the gates of hell. Not true. Ah, oh, oh, right. bad Christian. I'd say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So this one. This is actually a good one from what you've just said. Yes, yes. If he's not saving souls. If you're souls, not saving souls, you must be some sort of heretic. Like you're too progressive. Like people yeah, would look you, at your position on things and think, no, nah, that guy's, he's lost the plot. Yeah. No, I think most people, when they know what I believe, are okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Right. okay. So you're not, you're not on the outs of like your 
tradition then you're not like yeah. on the fringes you're not too liberal right yeah, okay okay, okay. Right. well he does live in seattle so. <laughs> would you still be liberal in texas mate <laughs> yeah, okay. so we've, we've thrown some assumptions if you have any assumptions send them through we'll put them to him because the only way to test your assumptions is to just ask people yeah we yeah. all have assumptions that's okay it's out of my system how yep. you feeling yeah i'm feeling good okay feeling great good. so now let's let's go to justin justin who are you and what are you doing right now what's your project what are you working on yeah, so uh, born and raised in Southern California area. Uh, currently live with my wife uh, in the Portland, Oregon area right now. I've uh, been doing the kind of like online content creator life thing for I think like four years now. And so I run a YouTube channel, I run a couple of YouTube channels, a couple podcasts, uh, and then I do some consulting on the side. And so I, I work with mostly faith-based organizations and i help them with content creation um with just social media strategy and the likes and so right now i'm just hanging out at home enjoying the end of a good week so bring us to this clickbait the christian who listens you've got a podcast called i'm listening tell us about that is this a unique thing i'm i'm leaning to what it is to to have a christian platform that just goes we're open. My primary yeah. objective doesn't seem to just convert you off the bat, yeah. but I'm listening. Talk to us about that idea. Yeah, yeah. I think, unfortunately, it is uncommon. Uh, I know that it's been uncommon in my own life and in the circles that I kind of travel with. Um, I definitely understand what you guys are talking about uh, as far as these like stereotypes of Christians or just people of faith in general, it's generally speaking, not open-minded, not interesting in hearing other people out and certainly agenda driven, whether that agenda mm. is I'm going to convert you, I'm going to baptize you, I'm going to get you to come to my church and pay tithe or all of these different things. Um, I, I think that there is absolutely, at least in, in, in the U.S., uh, a trend where Christianity is maybe in part uh, me getting you to change or to believe or to live or to vote in this way that I want you to. It's kind of controlling in that respect. Mm, and so, right. you know, this show is is against the grain in that respect. Um, I think most Christians, uh, as, as odd as it might sound, are, or maybe it's not odd, I don't know how, where you guys are coming <laughs> from. It, it, it's, we're not interested in hanging out with people who are different than us. I know for myself, there was even a, a large skepticism and maybe even like a fear of spending time with people who, who saw the world differently than I did. Right. There's always kind of like this, oh man, but what if they somehow uh, get their whatever it is on me? And sometimes that whatever it is could be an idea. It could be a way of life. It could be, you know, like this idea of like, oh, don't hang out with non-believers. They might deceive you. They might get you to compromise. You might lose your faith as a result. Um, I don't know. For me, I always treated other people with with a great deal of skepticism and oh, i think right now with what i'm trying to accomplish now it's it's less skepticism and more curiosity and so whereas i might be interested in running away i'm more running towards these types of relationships now yeah that that's actually interesting so so i was actually pretty on the money with the very clickbait christians don't listen you've you've reiterated a lot of your experience I mean, growing up within a Christian setting where you were talking about like skepticism, hesitation. Uh, what's the, I mean, what's the common, like, don't, don't hang out with the, <laughs> what, what, what's that like biblical thing where it's like, if you have too many friends oh, that yeah, are yeah. not. Oh, like if you're un unequally yoked. That's the one. That idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. this, yeah. So you're outlining this like Christian stereotype, which you are saying you've experienced. You've it's experienced like a fear -based the fear-based saying, yeah. don't hang out with those people. They will influence you badly. Yeah, Only yeah. have a good circle of influence. It's like one fly in the soup destroys the whole soup. Yeah, so yeah. Idea. And yeah. from your exactly. from your experience, it's sounding like that stereotype of Christians not listening, Christians just trying to convert, Christians encountering people with agenda. Hi, my name's Conrad. You need to come to my church with me and believe what I believe. Yeah. You're really you're really saying that that has held true in your experience growing up uh, within a Christian denomination. Has that has, is that true? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not so much growing up. I think growing up for me, Christianity and faith was it was whatever. I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. 
But around the age of 17 was when I would, you know, I think many Christian use this language. I was like born again, or I started believing in Jesus, or I became a Christian, or whatever the language is. I more or less went all in from an internal perspective on, on my faith. And from that point on forward, I actually really dedicated myself to doing ministry. And so a lot of what I had done professionally from that point forward was like, literally, I was serving the role as an evangelist. I was a teacher. Like my, my literal MO was to convert people. And that was the goal of my life. And I spent uh, what, like at least a decade very, very, very focused on this type of mission if you could even say yeah what church or denomination yeah, what's, what's were your you background like in, how'd you get to that point? yeah and yeah. and what role did you occupy within that when you're talking about being an evangelist yeah yeah so i i was born and raised in a seventh-day adventist faith oh. and when i was in high school became very committed to that um adventist high school or public high school i did the adventist high school okay. did the adventist academy did k through 12 the whole thing uh, and when I talk about my role in the church, like literally I was a literature evangelist, which is someone, if you know Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, they go knocking on doors. You're I did door that for 10 knocker. years. I, was... I, I've, wow. I have personally knocked on over 100,000 doors. Wow. Uh, like I did this a lot. We were wow. talking to someone yesterday uh, on the live and they were saying like, oh, you're an Adventist. Are you a Mormon? Yeah, and now hearing you, you hearing you talking about <laughs> yeah. that, uh, maybe yeah. us Australians are just not as proactive. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Adventists <laughs> in Australia Adventists are just in Australia. Like really lazy. And, <laughs> and for those people tuning in, Adventist, if you're unfamiliar, I'll, I like a very quick summary is I'd say it's like Baptist, but they go to church on Saturday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd sum it up yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, keep going, keep going. So you were... Yeah, did, did a lot of the door knocking. I was even uh, a professional evangelist for a number of years where I would go around the country and, and do revelation seminars. Oh, and that's an Adventist you know, thing. Talking yeah. about yeah. the truths of Adventism. Yeah. And then eventually I, I got hired by a school to teach evangelism, to teach young people oh, wow. how to do those things that oh, I was wow. literally doing. And so, wow. like I said, for, for I want to say it's like a dozen years I was involved with actual evangelism for a life calling wow bring wow. us into that world for a little bit because yeah. even for me very unfamiliar like bring us into that evangelism world like what was your uh headspace in that area what was your goals what did you spend most of your time doing uh bring us into that world a little bit the evangelism door knocking world yeah, I mean, a, a lot of your time is spent uh, like trying to create programs at your church that would somehow give your unique spin on truth, whether right. that truth is Bible truth or fill in the blank. Uh, you'd have these uh, seminars at your church where the goal was to get as many people from the community to come to this event. Mm -hmm. And so we would spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, how do we contact the most amount of people possible? So we go and send teams of young people from door to door to door to door for eight hours a day, you know, knocking on doors in a community. And the goal was to get them to show up to our events. And, and when they showed up to our event, we would try and get them to do Bible studies and realize that our version of the truth was the capital right. the, uh, yeah. T, yeah. the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we were successful with that, oftentimes it would look like baptizing people and voting them into our church membership and, right. and all these different kinds of things. So yeah. success criteria looked like mm -hmm. converting people Numbers. to the specific yeah. denomination of Adventism. That was your success metric. Yeah, absolutely. And because of that metric, a lot of my time was spent focusing on other competing worldviews, other ideas, other religions even, right. and to try and debunk them, to sh point at them and show oh, where this is wrong and what I have is snake better. Snake a few Baptists. Yeah, yeah. Sunday's not the right day. <laughs> yeah. It's Saturday. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So how, would, how did you find that? Um, I guess leading to... Um, your reflections on that or when you're in it, did you enjoy it? Was it a struggle? How did people respond to you when you were saying, hey, come to these events? Yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed it. I wouldn't have done it unless I, I truly believed in what I was doing. And so I think the major reason why I believed in it so much was when I had committed myself to being a person of faith, um, there are certain things that the Adventist church uh, teaches about God that are somewhat unique to, I guess, the general understanding of who God is. Um, and many of these th truths that they teach about God 
um, I believe create a much more holistic and beautiful picture of that God than the traditional understanding. Um, and so for me, it really helps. It feels like helping people uh, get that weight off their shoulder, this, this sense, this feeling that God has always hated them, has been very displeased with them and right. fill in the blank, any yeah. kind of list of uh, un- unpleasant feelings and responses towards any deity. And so being able to share with them the truth, as I believed it would be, according to the scriptures, felt really good. Being mm, able to help yeah. weights being lifted off of people. And yeah. so, so you, you thought you were helping people and you were happy to go, uh, like, I feel like your life will be better. You could see a positive change you could, yeah. in your life and experience and you were trying to pass that on to other people. Oh, absolutely. And and to be fair, I, I still do believe in, in in this broad sense that that, that is more or less true. Mm. Yeah. Um, however, I don't know that today I would go about it the way that I was going right. about it then. Yeah, Interesting. Okay. So that's, I mean, so that's like the perfect the, transition yeah, in that right. what brought you and what was, uh, we talk about this a lot on Ideas Digest, ideas change people and one idea leads to another, much like a gateway drug. <laughs> the gateway drug of some ideas open the door to something else and lead you onto the different stuff. Bring us to that gateway drug idea that brought you to ultimately to the to the conclusion that maybe Christians don't listen and maybe yeah. listening's really important. And maybe how I was trying to convert people may have some shortcomings and, yeah. and you've shifted that now. So sort of talk us through that. Yeah, I mean it's a long. There's a there's a big story to to this whole thing. But I, if I try to summarize it in principles, it's it's difficult to distill down because there's so many pieces at play. But it was a process mm. of many years for sure. Yeah. Uh, it definitely took a lot of time. I think one of the pieces of it was that I maybe I, I overestimated my role in someone's journey. Uh, I thought that the reason why someone would find God was was maybe largely tied to how I or some of my peers or how the church in general would respond to these people. Mm, And there was a a major burden on the human involved in this relationship for for the other person to find God. So Mm. what broke that then? Like, what broke? broke that what like, led you yeah, to that so conclusion all, that was like i'm not yeah. as instrumental as i thought i would yeah be. yeah yeah I, I think the major thing was meeting uh a friend of mine uh named chico uh he was my, he is my barber here in portland mm. someone that has become a very close friend of mine over the last uh year or year and a half or so and i think the reason why this relationship challenged my paradigm so much was that this was uh, this was someone's story that was very different than any other story that I had heard. Uh, Chico grew up in a, kind of a gang banging lifestyle. Was you know selling drugs, doing all kinds of violent things. Eventually went to prison for selling meth, and while he's in prison, has this spiritual experience. And because of this whole journey, when he gets out of prison a couple years later, he finds himself in South America. Uh, along the Amazon River in the jungles for an ayahuasca service. And if you don't know what right. ayahuasca yeah. is, it's like this hallucinogenic drug yeah. uh, causes you to do like the whole out-of-body experience and all these things. And, and long story short, um, he was involved with a lot of things that I had historically grown up to look at with a great degree of skepticism. Right. Um, there's no way that God's in this, that if you're a part of this, it's fully you know, dark and demonic and mm. evil and, yeah. and all these kinds of things. Yeah. And yet, as I'm, I'm talking to Chico, I get to like, be there over the span of several months because he's my barber and I get to continue hanging out with him every once in a while. I get the sense, like this overwhelming sense that he's actually got a really good heart. He's like, he's a pure dude. And even though there's a lot of things that like he's telling me that like really freak me out that I don't know what to make of it all. There's this, there's this piece about, no, like this guy is a good guy. There's something beautiful that's here. And, you know, just being a part of this story, it really showed me, you know, that, you know, if there really is a God, and this God is loving and caring in the way that I believe him to be, what kind of God could possibly leave someone like Chico uh, on the outside, if you would? Right. Uh, what kind of God would, would see Chico's heart and then completely ignore him? Right. And mm. that just didn't line up with everything that I knew about God. Yeah. And because of that, I stuck out in this relationship for quite some time. We still are friends now. 
And I've been able to see what it looks like when God pursues someone rather than what, what it looks like when I try to pursue someone. And, it's, ah, and it's, right. tra- it's challenged a lot of my underlying assumptions about life. Yeah, okay. So yeah. your experience with Chico... Mm, um, that personal relationship. That personal relationship was the thing that helped you understand. Yeah, it's almost... And that's a common theme. We had a, a guy called Mike, an ex-pastor on the show yeah. before. And, and if David. And hey, David. The and naked he, pastor. Yeah. If you didn't listen to that episode, uh, Mike in particular, I think he might be joining us now. Um, it, it was interesting in that episode, he said uh, he was a very strict Baptist and very like yeah. down the mm. line, follow these rules. Yeah. And then his son came out gay. And for him, that changed everything. And yeah. I asked him off air, and I've said this before, yeah. um, would, and his whole theology and everything changed at that one moment. I said, yeah. would, would you be where you are today, more open, more inclusive, more like where, where you are today, if your son hadn't like come out gay in your family? Yeah. And he just said no. Yeah. And that and that's a this similar trend mm. I'm hearing here is that yeah. that personal relationship, relationship with Chico and I yeah. should take the moment to plug it right now. I actually watched that video on YouTube that you put together. It's really well done. Um, so I'm listening on YouTube if you want to follow that story that you yeah. really uh, really eloquently tell that story. But that relationship of I guess it exposed that paradigm of inverse out that you used to have being like, well, we are right. Anyone outside is dangerous and wrong. And it sounds like your experience of firsthand contact with someone who is on the outs, a, a, a meth selling ex con who is doing (laughs) ritualistic (laughs) drugs. That's like the ultimate in like careful with, be careful with those people. Yeah. And you're, and what I'm hearing from you is that you're kind of saying, getting to know him showed you his heart, yeah. and then all of a sudden you went, well, how can if, if I can't exclude that. this guy, why would <laughs> yeah. why would God exclude it? Yeah. Does, does that sound about right? I, I don't even know that it's it's so much that I didn't exclude him. I think I I, start, I started to see him in a way that wasn't dependent upon his beliefs or his lifestyle or any external things. And up to that point, my judge of a person's character, my judge of a person's maybe even value and maybe my own sense of my value and my worth and my purpose was largely tied to a lot of these external things. How do I believe? How do I worship? How do I think about life? And and, and how do I live that out? And so it was a lot of external things. And I think in the process of meeting Chico, what started to shift was I didn't see him through the eyes that could only see what was on the surface. I think I was starting to see him in the way that I believe God sees him. And at least the story that the, you know, the Christian God seems to point, uh, paint is that when God looks at humanity, he doesn't look like a bunch of screw ups and idiots, a bunch of no good nothings. When he sees humanity, he sees them as as his children. You know, yeah. a famous verse, for God so loves the world that he gives his only son, right? Yeah. And so it's this paradigm of, of, wait, hold on. God loves people. His heart is towards people because he's able to see them through a different lens than I have normally seen them. And so as I'm getting to know Chico more, Everything about him is not the kind of person that I should love, at least historically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. If, if, if my life was a trajectory, he's not the kind of person I surround myself with or care about very much right. unless he changes. Yeah. But what I was starting to see was even though he was nothing that I was expecting, he was everything that I was loving because I saw him how God saw him. Right. And as I, as I began to see him how God sees him, I think then my life started to catch. I'm like, oh, okay. I start to see maybe, maybe, maybe uh, some of the ways that I was doing my life and some of the ways I was seeing people were were just off to begin with. Right. Yeah. So he, do you think he, that your relationship with him, the other, the outsider, the different, yeah. the 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 one you're not supposed to mix with? I think someone actually dropped the verse. Uh, in the comments, I'll oh, be in, in the, the world, world, the world. and yeah, not yeah. of it, yeah. um, and that and that's used to kind of have that that guard up. But do you think he that relationship changed you, or do you think it expo- it showed you something about yourself? What do you think it was? Was it was it the change agent, or was it, I guess, the the mirror? Help me understand what the difference is between those two. I mean, maybe there isn't. Yeah. Maybe there isn't a difference. I mean, once 
once you can see the mud on your face in a mirror, yeah. then I suppose you wipe it off in a, in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. did he, was he like the mirror in that sense showing you, because you said you began to see his heart and then went, oh, the way I've been looking at these people before getting to know them didn't show me how perhaps God sees people. It, it, I, could, I can now see the surface way of judging people I did before and now because I've like forced contact with my barber and actually getting to know him, now you, it exposed you to a new way of seeing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it was just this one moment in its entirety that accomplished all that, but I would say that this was absolutely pivotal. It, it was one of the major pieces of it. Um, like I was saying, it, it's, it's hard to quantify. It's, it's something that I think is, has been happening in my life for, for years now, and maybe the experience with Chico is finally coming together in a way that like I'm starting to have words to describe it. Right. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. like the culmination of a lot of things until finally you're like, oh, there it is. And it's, yeah. and it's, it's true. Like, yeah. You can't always put it down to one moment. That, yeah, but it helps give it language and yeah. structure. And, yeah. and so then how did that result in what you did next? Did you, what led you to set up this idea of, I'm going to be a Christian who listens without agenda, yeah. who listens without the first agenda of, you need to be like me, I need to convert you. What was the step between, I guess, this journey with Chico and where you are now? Yeah, um, I don't know that there was a, a big step or a big thing that took place. It was it was much softer and more subtle than that. Yep. Um, I think I started to pay attention to what was happening on a normal day for me. Uh, and maybe a large part of it is because, you know, I live in the Portland, Oregon area. If you spend any time out and about, you're going to meet people with all kinds of beliefs um you know it's a very eclectic area and you know getting to connect with these people and seeing this trend over and over it wasn't just chico but seeing more people who were atheists and people who were pagans and people who were you know part of the lgbt community and and fill in the blank all these social others at least the other than what i was raised with yeah. being surrounded by so many people and uh, starting like and, and, and over time, just being able to see them differently than what I was able to see them before. It felt like it felt like a like a veil was lifted from my eyes and I was finally able to see them for who they truly were rather than who I might have thought or heard they were to be. So is that something that you experienced in community or was it like a really personal thing? Like, did this happen to like like your wife as well like as you said you were married so was it your friends were they all engaging on a similar level yeah. like were you were on, on a similar path to people around you or was it like a fairly yeah unique thing to you and how did people react with you yeah. after that? that that's such a good question it it is something that has happened both like within my own person on its own it, it definitely has felt like a my journey like something that was uniquely mine uh, and these experiences with Chico and these experiences with other people have absolutely been deeply personal. And at the same time, it has also felt like a communal thing. Um, with my wife and a handful of really close friends of mine, I have been able to see um, the same themes emerge in their lives. And as we do community together, I've been able to see it. Like there's this, there's this parity between my life and theirs. And yet... Like I'm saying, like what Chico gave me as far as this experience, the language that I can use to articulate it for myself is so different than how my wife would do it or how my friends over there would do it. And yet there's a there's a there's a commonality, there's an agreement with the experience overall. Yeah, there's a there's a great question just come through. Mark the walls. Uh, and it links to the, the next question I was I was going to ask. He says, where did that vow come from originally? And I, I'll add to that. Do you think the evangelism as you did it before and as is so common in the Christian world, which is yeah. door knocking, here are the beliefs, be yeah. like this. Yeah. Do you think that that was the veil? Do you think that that stood between you and encountering someone's humanity? What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I don't think that the, the veil is a methodology. I don't think that okay. uh, knocking on doors per se or doing the evangelistic series approach thing or trying to give someone Bible studies or any of the things that I was very heavily involved with were the problem per se. Okay. Right. Uh, I think the veil was a, was a deeper rooted thing. 
Um, I think it was something that was, uh, I don't know, maybe in part due to the culture and just the, 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 the friend group that I ran with. Um, but at the, at the core of it all, I really, I mean, this maybe this is too Christian, but I really do believe that there's there's another power at place. Like we, we talk a lot about in Christianity, we talk about Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and all these things. But if you take the narrative at face value, there's also a, kind of a flip side to that. There is an enemy who's out there who's trying to, uh, uh, as Jesus puts it, to seek to kill, destroy, and, and to rob you of joy and life and happiness and all of these different things. I think the veil comes from that. I think the veil comes from uh, an enemy trying to get you to see the world as he wants you to see it rather than as it truly is. And so when I look at someone and I don't see them through value and worth and, and just this just this love and compassion that God sees it, well, I'm, I'm playing into someone else's narrative. Right. And so as much as the actions maybe weren't the wrong, the wrong part of the journey, uh, it was the lens with which I saw people. It was the heart mm. that I had yeah. towards people. And I think sure. what really was happening over time and especially in, in Chico's, uh, the experience I had with Chico was that my heart had, had somehow shifted and clicked and now I saw people differently. The veil was lifted and I could see people through worth. So then right. what do you think the, because we mentioned before and, and your experience at the top of the program mirrored it a little bit. Christians don't listen. Christians evangelize. And and it sounds like your experience mirrors that very common story of uh, we're not here to listen. We're not here to get to know you. We already have the right answers. We're, yeah, we have the answers. Yeah. We don't need to listen. And you're, we need and you're, to tell you so that you're okay. Yeah, and yeah. you're really saying no, no. Like listening shows me the heart of people. It shows yeah. it shows me the 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 part of people that God sees. What do you think it is then within Christianity as a whole? The general perception of it. What do you, do you think? There's anything systemically that might ingrain within uh christians because this idea has got to come from somewhere yeah and maybe and maybe maybe what you're saying it is like the the enemy power that you're talking about yeah but i'm i'm connecting the trend of the common thing of that christians don't listen with with is it a systemic thing is there something within it that you maybe see or, or not see that that prepares christians to not want to engage with people in on that level. Yeah, I think I think a large part of it has to deal with um, how we believe God relates to humanity, how God relates to especially something called sin. Um, I think the, the prevailing view is that if you do fill in the blank, if you do all these terrible things, whether it's, oh, premarital sex, or oh, you're doing the drugs, drugs thing, or you believe... Yeah. The whole thing, right? If you do any of those things, then God is very displeased with you. He's very angry with you. He's going to punish you. And nothing short of you repenting and fixing all of these things will cause God to look at you any differently. I think, I think the picture uh, oftentimes is God's real pissed off. Uh, God the Father is real angry because yep. you did all these sin things and you, all these actions that he's pointing at like, oh, this is the problem with you mm. guys. And then Jesus shows up and Jesus is like, oh, you know, they're not so bad, uh, God. He's, and he kind of like puts his hand up like, hold on, hold on. Like, they're all right. Like, I, I'll vouch for them. And it's like there's this argument going between Jesus and the Father. And Jesus is convincing the Father. And the Father's like, all right, fine. We'll let him all go. All right, I won't kill him. I'll kill you instead. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so there's like this underlying uh, uh, contempt that God has for humanity, but he's willing to put that on the side. And I think that that, if, if if that's your worldview, then you start to look at people in this way that, oh man, like, like, you're so far gone, but if you just fix these things, then God will love you. And because God will love you, then I can love you and I can care for you. And it, and, and maybe no one ever feels like no one says it explicitly that way, but I know that's how it was lived out in my life that, you know what, if you like, if you stop smoking or if you stop doing this or fill in the blank, then, then you're safe for me to vouch for. But I think what was being shown to me was that's, that's not how God feels about us at all. Like that whole narrative, that whole story was was a result of, of the enemy. And the truth as it is in 
revealed in a person called Jesus was that God actually is madly in love with us. He cares about us in, the, in, in, in every way that a good father cares for his children and much more. And so because of that, there's no sense that he's, he's displeased with us, that he's angry with us, that he just, he has contempt for us. And so why should we have that towards anyone else, even if they look different yeah. than us, sound different than us, believe different than us? So, yeah, okay. So that's, um, that really is quite a shift. Yeah, a different in, paradigm in thinking. shift. It's like, it, it, so I'll sort of explain back to you what I've heard and you tell me if I'm on the right path and then we'll go from there. So I've heard that you've, you, your original experiences came from a place of like humans were inherently bad, like at their core they were bad. Mm. And like the only reason that God would love them is because Jesus stepped in and did something to make Otherwise, us good. God's like, I'm going to destroy these yeah. people. But what you're saying, is, what I'm hearing is that you don't actually believe that anymore. You actually think that humanity comes from a place of like grace and love and, you know, made in the image of God sort of thing. Um, and then so that that sort of paradigm shift allows you to, to see the entire world yeah. and the people you engage with differently. I don't, you know, I don't always want to box and get doctrinal and theological about it, but it, Christians would have this, the, the belief in the doctrine that says, what is it? Total human depravity. Yes. Yeah. Humans original at the core, sin. original yeah. sin are yeah. evil. Are you saying that for you that this has changed for you? Is that, is that view different now? You know, I, I, I... I mean, we can have those conversations and I think that those are much longer conversations than a short answer will really be helpful for. Um, but what I'll say has shifted is that for me, what I believe is that humans are at the core, valuable and worthy. Right. Mm. And that's what matters. It's not that mm. they're inherently good or they're inherently bad. Okay. We can have a conversation about right. all that. We yeah. can talk about, are they essentially depraved? And what does that mean? What does that look like? I think the, the thing that, for me, that I focus on presently and the thing that has, has, has changed uh, my life the most is to realize that humanity is inherently valuable and worthy in the eyes of God, completely independent from how they live, how they act, what they believe, what mm -hmm. they do, fill in the blank. Right. They are just worthy in the way that just the, the very fact that I'm born of a person's lineage, that I'm valuable because I'm their child. Like just that fact right. alone is, is what has, has, has changed so much for me. In the community that you used to be a part of then, is that like it goes sort of back to what I was asking before? You obviously you said your wife and your your close friend community have had a similar. You can see it's similar trajectory to their sort of understanding. What about like the broader mm -hmm. community that you're a part of? Is it is that? I guess this sort of goes back to some assumptions. Is that like a heretical idea for people that you interact yeah. with? Do you think from where you sit the Christian system still responds to people from a core of you need to be like this to be loved, even though I've grown up in the system, I know that no matter who you ask, who's a Christian Adventist Baptist, and you say, do you think God loves us and thinks we're valuable? They will say yes, yeah, that's but we're talking answer. about something <laughs> action orientated. Yeah. Do you think a lot of that uh, current Christian establishment still acts as if it isn't coming from the heart of value, which you're saying has changed for you. You're like, now I'm really seeing people's value first. Do you think that is different to the, the mainstream? Yeah, that, those, that, I mean, such good questions. And, and it's, I don't want to like make a judgment call for my entire community yeah, or yeah, any of those kinds sure. of things. I think that what I, what I just articulated, uh, and, and you pointed out well, I, I don't think that nearly any Christians would disagree with the idea that yeah. I just said, that humanity is inherently valuable and worthy in the eyes of God. It's not about what you do. I think that this is kind of a core kernel for most Christians. Mm. Um, so I don't think that many people would disagree with that. I think though, if we were to, 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 to take this idea and then to continue to dive deeper and deeper and deeper in all of its implications and why this is the case and what this means for how we live and how we see ourselves and how we see others, and, and the nuancing that takes place in those discussions, I think that's where we start to have more and more disagreements. I think that's where more and more people will, well, really, is that, is that how it actually is? And 
And so it, it's kind of a yes and no answer. Yeah, well, no, but it's fine. It's an okay answer yeah. because I'm hearing a lot of Richard Raw, like the idea of orthodoxy and orthopraxy. It's like what you believe and then how you practice. And, then how it's practiced. and you're sort of saying, what I'm picking up is that you can see a bit of a disconnect yeah. um, between mm-hmm. the belief and what it looks like to hold that belief yeah. and actually, you know, live your life. Because let's just go with you and you personally, your journey. So we're not speaking for, for anybody else. Would you f- adhere to kind of that pattern saying previously before you, you um, kind of had that experience shift your perspective a little, would you have once again agreed with the idea that, yeah, humans are valuable and like Justin now talking to Justin five years ago, he's Justin five years ago is like, yeah, yeah, we're all valuable. But Justin now is like, no, no, like yeah. we are like inherently <laughs> yeah. valuable and everybody yeah. is like, do you think that fulfills that pattern? You had the right idea, but then that idea became reality in community with your hairdresser. Mm-hmm. And others. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think Justin five years ago, even Justin two, maybe three years ago, um, hearing this conversation would have been like, yeah, sounds good. Like, yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I believe all the things you believe, dude. <laughs> uh, and, but then with, with a hindsight, knowing where I stand now and where I stood then, yeah. like this version of Justin would have the insight to be like, okay, you believe it, but you're not like, you don't really believe it you don't really live it and right, there yeah. i mean there's a massive difference it, it it feels like you're only off by like one degree if anything sure but i know that that one degree has changed so much of my life right and is that it that one degree you're talking about do you think that is human connection and community with the quote-unquote other this is the part i'm kind of connecting in yeah, as far like as connecting like, your current work maybe it wasn't old. just yeah. chico like you're saying um and it was a lot of other people but do you think the difference that led you between the idea and the reality was your connectedness with people who were different to yourself what was that no i i don't think it it was like like certainly the connections with chico and the connections with all the other people that, that, yeah. that i could i could I could tell other stories that would illustrate this point. Those are all, those are all the fruit of what has changed. Mm, okay. They're not the cause of it. They're the result of it. Mm. Um, I would never point to my experience with Chico and say, ah, it's because of this that things have changed. No, it's because things have changed that now I live life with Chico in this manner. It's because of the mm. other thing that has changed, the veil that has been lifted. It's because of all of that that I interact with pagans and atheists and gay people and all these other things in a substantively different way than which I used to. Mm. And and obviously we're trying to quantify the inquantifiable, which I would say this is the quote-unquote spiritual element, which is why we can only use words and metaphors to come as close as we can. What would you say then was that thing that shifted in those two years? If it, if it I mean, to best put your hand on it or, your, or to best describe it, was it like a divine experience where you can't explain it? Whereas it was it like, how would you describe that change? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys asked because uh, normally we don't go this far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> we love the rabbit hole. We live here. Yeah. <laughs> we live yeah, you guys are all the way down there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I mean, it's, it's going to sound super simplistic, but there's a lot of impl- implications of what I mean by this. Yep. But it was just having a clear revelation of what the gospel was. Having right. a clear understanding of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf changed all of this. And when I had clarity on the gospel, my life changed. My lens through which I saw myself and through which I saw other people was completely shattered and replaced. Right. And what... Once again, I might be asking the same question a few times, but I'm infinitely curious no, always about like the mechanisms of it. Yeah. What gave you that revelation of the gospel? Because you, once again, two years ago, Justin's like, yeah, man, like I got the revelation of the gospel. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Like, what do you think it was? Yeah. And maybe you can, maybe there is no answer. Maybe you're like, listen, I don't know. And that's fine too. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just how many times you want to keep asking the questions and go another layer down uh, for sure. Um, so what it was, uh, I, so some friends of mine, uh, started to share with me a letter that Paul had written that I hadn't really spent as much time studying and learning about for myself. And so in the Bible, there's a book called the book of Romans, where Paul talks about what Jesus has done on our behalf. And in the sixth chapter of Romans, 
there's this theme that develops and emerges a lot. And it's this idea of freedom from sin. Uh, this idea that what Jesus has done on our behalf yielded a particular result. And this result is not dependent on what I do or what I don't do. And it doesn't even really have any, like, it's not impacted by what I believe or don't believe. It's just something that he did and it is what it is. And I can I can choose to 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 accept it at face value and believe it or not, or I can choose to reject it. And the And what it was is at the cross, Jesus took my sin and put it on himself killed sin, buried it in the grave, and now I'm free from the power, I'm free from the influence, I'm free from sin completely, like full stop, period. And because of that freedom, now I look at myself differently, and now I look at other people differently. And when you're talking about sin, has your picture of sin changed? So like you would say, people would... Define sin for us. Yeah, Yeah. define sin for us. Because I heard one definition before when you were talking about how the church defines it, which is bad things. Yeah. Right? Don't smoke, drink, drink, no sex. That's sin. Yeah. How would you then define sin now? Is that definition the same or has it changed? Yeah. uh, Oh, so you're asking all the right questions. I love this. This is super fun. Oh, good, good. (laughs) I guess, yeah, good. Yeah, you, you're, I mean, you're tracking completely. The sin on the former experience was absolutely action-based. It was absolutely, or uh, you know, what you did, what you didn't do, uh, things that you consumed or didn't consume, like all these things. Um, and and true, cool. Like I'm I'm not knocking those things, but what has what I've learned is that sin can be manifested in actions, but sin is deeper than that. That sin mm. is more about posture, is more about an attitude. It's more about a lens with which you see the world. Right. So, you know, I used to think sin was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm driving uh, 60 miles an hour in a, uh, in a 65 mile per hour zone. As long as I don't go over the speed limit, then I'm good. And mm. the moment I cross over right. and I'm driving 66 instead of 65, boom, yeah. I'm sinning. Yeah. And cool, that, that might technically be true according to the law. But sin is also a deeper thing. Sin is also me driving 60 miles per hour, wishing I could go 70 miles an hour in a 65 mile per hour. In other words, the, the simple desire and the inclination and the want to do what I'm told I can't do, that, mo- that, that heart, that posture in and of itself is sin. And so, so Jesus took, took it like this way. He said, you guys used to hear this, and, and this is what you used to believe was, hey, if you murder someone, you've committed sin. Right. And, and Jesus like, but I'm telling you something, and it's, it's harder to understand and it's deeper than that. If you even hate someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. So Jesus wasn't so much only pointing at actions, but he was pointing at your, even your motivations and what your desires were. He says, you know, you've heard that, you know, you shouldn't commit adultery, but I tell you, you even look at a woman lustfully, you're already crossing the line. And so for Jesus, he sets the bar even higher than what your actions are. He says, no, no, even the motivations of your heart, your general desires, that in and of itself, that is what sin is. And so when I see Paul talking about, no, Jesus killed sin. Like sin is a dead enemy. Like you no longer are enslaved to sin and you're now free from sin. What he's talking about is he's actually put to death these desires that we carried for so long to live a certain way. And if I, in faith, can receive that over my life, then I'm actually free from this orientation. I'm free from these desires to do life for myself and to look at other people, you know, uh, in a way that's just judging them based off their actions because I'm free from all of those things. Right. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, talk to us, like, because I can hear, like with some of the people that we've spoken to before, I can hear them ringing in my ears. I can, I can hear them saying, yeah, but that's not freedom because now I can't even think about a bad thing. Like oh, explain yeah. to us like how it is more freedom. How it is because some people might interpret that as um, like now, like sure, you can't look at porn, oh, yeah. but man, I'm tempted. I really I want I to. Could look so at porn. that's just as bad. <laughs> and the girl walks yeah. past and, yeah. oh, I looked at her butt. Yeah, ah. yeah. Like, it, it's like... <laughs> so some people might hear that and say, "Well, like I that sounds still, more restricting." Yeah, I still yeah. have these desires. Like, I'm, yeah. like, like Mike uh, in, in the chat says he sees yeah. all the time. 60, 60 kilometers an hour is too slow. <laughs> yeah. um, so bring us to like link that with the people who who would say, "Well, now I now even thinking you're putting it, more restrictions on even me. those more restrictions." So yeah. how does that lend lead to the freedom you're talking yeah, about? Because you're talking about a bigger freedom. Yeah. 
Hundred percent. I, I definitely get it, and I know that in the past, when I read those passages, when I when I trafficked in these ideas, it really felt like, man, the the noose just got even tighter. Like, oh my right. goodness, now there's no wiggle room. Where at least before, as, as long as I don't kill anybody, like I'm doing all right. As long as I don't, you know, sleep with someone who's not my wife, like I'm doing okay. Yeah. It, you're you're absolutely right. The, the the bar is higher. Uh, the demands of what Jesus is offering is so much higher. Um, but what Paul is talking about in this passage and in many other places in the scriptures, with this, he's also making you an offer. Uh, and, and it's again, it's not based on our actions. It's not based on how we live our life. It's simply based on one like irrefutable fact, and it's based off of what he has already done. And so the freedom that I was always striving for and working for and constantly falling short of in faith and, and putting my life in Christ, I actually already have it. And maybe I just didn't realize it. And so what's crazy is something happens when you have this moment of faith, at least it did for me and it's happened for a lot of my friends, is that the power of sin in this moment is completely broken. There is an actual exchange that takes place where you are freed from all of these desires. You are freed from all this, this inclination towards something uh, that's maybe you know you shouldn't have like you're free from it and you didn't do anything to get it you didn't you didn't like do this pilgrimage or anything like that you sit you, like you literally received it by faith i know that sounds weird maybe yeah. that just sounds too simplistic but it's it's literally what has happened well let me let yeah. me pull it out of the religious construct to see how some other people might hear it and listen you're saying in these moments when i experience these desires you're saying by faith you believe that that uh i guess construct you believe that that idea of sin has no power and therefore because you believe it to be so it becomes so you know if you remove mm-hmm. that yeah religious language from it it's like i am yeah. you're, you're kind of saying if i believe that i am not beholden to this desire and i believe it it's true then i stop being beholden to it does that make sense I think so. So, but my question then is, okay. so what say, like you're talking about the 16-year-old kid that is eyeing off the, the, the hot lady that's Or, or 18 past. or 19. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 45-year-old, whatever it is. Hey, whatever. <laughs> um, um, like, they, like, have they sinned in their heart? Like, even though they still, like, may look at an attractive person or at porn or whatever it is, like... What I'm asking is, do you not have those desires anymore or do those desires just don't... You're not concerned about those. Like, that's not the point. Well, those desires disappear when you believe them to not be there. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think, if when I pull it out of the Christian language, that's what I think I'm finding. What are your thoughts? What are your reflections of what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Good questions. So, I... I think that what you're saying as far as when you realize that this thing is a lie, it loses its power. Okay. I think that, that w- when you said something to that effect, that resonated a lot with me. Okay. Um, uh, you asked another question. Do I no longer like have these feelings? or like No, no like, hmm. like there are times when things come and things pass. But I think the difference is, is where before I so closely identified my life with my actions, with my feelings, that it, it was really hard to discern between the two. And now I'm actually able to have clarity on who I am. And so, yeah, I can feel a certain way, but that has nothing to do with who I am. It has nothing to do with how I identify my life uh, in these moments. So like, you know, the power of sin is the power of a lie, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, A lie has a lot of power. If you believe it, like lies can destroy your life. Lies can uh, affect your health. It can affect your emotional well-being. It can affect so many aspects of your life. But here's the cool thing is that the moment that the lie is revealed to be a lie, like all that is gone and you're free from that lie. And, and that's what I'm trying to say is that that sin at its core is a lie about who you are, about who we are, uh, about how God sees us. The whole paradigm of sin is a lie because sin as an enemy has already been defeated. And so, so much of my life in the past was focused on how do I overcome sin? How do I beat sin out of my life? And I think faith has revealed to me that I don't need to worry about that because faith or because sin in the person of Jesus has already been overcome. And that in turn, to bring it back to where we started, what, yeah, yeah. that has then led you 
to hold that same standard for other people going, well, before that exactly. behavior mattered for me. Yeah. And now it, I don't mm-hmm. focus on that. So if you're listening to this, and it's a lot of religious language and, and, and we can have questions and discuss yeah, it more. Sorry. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's, you know, it's how we describe things from our yeah. journey and story. Um, but then you're saying that that... Mm-hmm. You don't focus on that now for yourself and therefore... Or for others. By the your interactions yeah, have yeah. changed for others as well. Exactly. We're actually about to release an episode tomorrow and we're talking to someone about okay. this podcast and what we're doing. And the central message that we got from that was if we don't explicitly share the gospel, if we don't say what we think and at the end of this episode say, thanks for talking to us, we believe this, you should yeah. believe what we believe then we're empowering those beliefs. So that's a pushback we've got. And we have you on because I'm interested because you're doing something a bit similar and I love that, but it is rare that we don't see it too much. Is it too difficult? We don't know. What would you say to those people who would have that argument saying, it's dangerous to listen to these people. It's dangerous to listen to these, these ideas without the goal of changing them. Yeah, great question. I don't know that I would feel compelled to say anything to that person. Uh, I, I would thank them <laughs> for their time. I would thank them for their opinion and, and for for listening. And I would affirm them in every way that I possibly could. But I, I I think part of this like this life is like freedom in every sense, man. I'm free from what other people think of me. Like, I, hey, hmm. you don't see it the way I see it? Yeah. Cool. Like, more power to you. I love you the same. Like, I don't need you to agree with me in order for us to be friends hmm. anymore. And so like you can disagree and and I value that and I honor you for it and that's okay. Mm. Thank you for still choosing to be a part of this community. Thank you so much for for weighing in because I know it comes from a good place that like the reason why you're doing it is because like mm. this matters to you. And 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 I, I honor that and I think that that's that's fantastic. And so I, I don't even know that I would have a desire to defend myself. Mm. I would just I think I would hope that graciousness and gratitude would just overflow and and that would be enough so you're finding a openness and an acceptance of other people beyond the agree and disagree paradigm how has that enhanced your interactions do you think it does enhance your interactions oh 100 yeah i mean this is the kind of crazy paradox of the entire thing um you know i mean many years ago i guess even to this day now like there's a desire there's a there's a hope that people would be able to experience the goodness of God in their life. And so formerly it caused me to knock on doors. It caused me to preach, you know, all these things and all the things that I was describing to you earlier that I was doing. And it came from this place like, man, you know, my life has been enriched by uh, a closer connection with the divine. And so I would move in this way. And, uh, and like I was saying before, yet it, it led to a lot of unhealthy ways to see people and to see the world because my way was better. Oh man, like if you only knew, and it was kind of like, it, it, I was inflated. There was a lot of ego involved. There was a lot of pride that was involved. And I would look down on people who couldn't quite see it the way that I saw it. Um, and realizing that, you know, it's not even really about like right belief, though belief is important. It's not even right. Uh, it's not about right actions, though actions matter for sure. Like that at the core isn't what determined a person's value or worth. Like, I think there was a part of me that believed that because I was so clear on who God was that I was better than the person who didn't. Like, I was special in some sort of way because I could explain the Bible in a way that other people couldn't have. And, like, I realized that that was just foolish. Like, you know, like that way of doing it was was just so far off. And so if if my beliefs and my actions and my lifestyle, like none of that carried any weight when it come to how God saw me, why should it have any weight to how God sees other people or how I see other people? Um, you know, the revelation of the gospel that God is just good and God just cares about us no matter who we are, what we've done, no matter what our story is or what we currently believe, like that changed the way that I see people. You know, Paul talks about it in this way. And again, I'm sorry for the spiritual jargon, but like this is how it's come alive for me. He, Paul talks about it in this way. Like we don't even have to look at anyone through flesh anymore because of what Jesus has done. We don't have to measure people or measure their worth by their actions, by what we can see on the outside. Because on the cross, Jesus established for once and for all time that the person that I'm looking at, no matter who they are, that they're worthy. 
that they're valuable, that they're loved. And even if a lie has taken them captive and where they believe that they're the product of their worst mistake at ever, or on the converse, if, if they believe a lie and they think that, that they're the product of all their good works and all the good things that they've done, like, it doesn't matter. Like, because I can see them for who they truly are. Sure. Take us to what that means for your work now. I, I think um, what I used to do was to try and go around and tell people as forcefully and as charismatically and as convincingly as possible, you matter, God loves you, I love you too. Um, and cool, um, but I think that in the middle of all that, there was a lot of challenges with everything surrounding those ideas. Um, because in my heart, I, I don't know, I didn't really want to hang out with you unless you, you know, became more like me. Um, even though I would say all these things, there were times I would look at people and didn't really believe that myself. And so I was believing something that, or I was saying something that I didn't quite believe for myself. Now I'm realizing that the way that you convince someone that you love them seldomly has to do with you saying the words, I love you. Like there is a space where actions speak louder than words. And if, and if the core message is that you matter, you care, I value you, like you, you are a supremely important, like words take, uh, like they go a certain distance, but they certainly fall short of something. But being in someone's presence, being in the space with them and doing life with them in the face of all these disagreements, I think that that's an argument far more powerful than right. words. So I'm I'm sort of picking up then because we were trying to um, tease out of you before how you might have got to these ideas and we were saying well was it the connections was it the personal experiences with connection with people but it kind of sounds like that may not have been how you got there but it's kind of what you're getting out of it now exactly what what you're saying is you listening to people you engaging with people in a different way now and that's that is you yeah, saying to the them board. yeah i think you're valuable yeah in action that's what it looks like so yeah. to to like really make it short and pithy you're saying when i listen without agenda without trying to convert you without yeah. trying to make you like me i am showing you i care yeah because that is truly 100%. caring, isn't it? To yeah. truly 100%. encounter somebody without trying to change them, make them different, uh, make them more like you or get something out of them. Or to believe like you. That is yeah. to put the human first, I suppose. And yeah. to listen is that you become the passive role yeah. rather than this, I guess, aggressor is the wrong word, but the active role yeah. of saying... Oh, come, come here, come here, come here. You've flipped the script and now you're just saying, I am here, let's yeah. hang. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, you guys nailed it on the head. That's absolutely... And that's why I said earlier, you know, the whole interactions with these people aren't so much the cause of all this, Wrong. but they're the fruit yeah. of it. The cause yeah. happened somewhere else. The cause happened, and this is this whole spiritual yeah. thing that we've been talking about, like that was the reason why... But now the interactions yeah, are right. the fruit. And of what it. would you say? Uh, let's find the limits of this. What would you say to the? Would you still, on some level, be evangelizing? Like on some level, do you think ultimately people have to be Christian to have the same experience with the divine, so to speak, that you're talking about? Yeah. Or has that opened up as well? Yeah, I think if, if Chico's story for sure has taught me anything, um, it's absolutely that, you know, God is much bigger than the box that I've, I've believed him to be in all my life. Um, and that God is, is, is in, in, in an intense pursuit of people because he cares for them and loves them. And you guys have seen the first episode of Chico, uh, Chico's story, but the cool thing is that there's like four or five more parts to it. And like, you'll see the journey develop. And um, for those who haven't heard it, in short, Chico experienced what he would like. Chico experienced what I would describe as the divine through all kinds of ways that were not Christianity. And like, I'm giving away the, a massive spoiler that's like months later from today's like current catalog of episodes. Um, but I think Chico, because like, 
Chico absolutely had that pure heart that I saw from the very beginning. And, and uh, it's manifested itself in a, in, in a number of really cool ways. But one that you know I'm excited about is that he had he has actually come to to love the Lord Jesus and he's actually given his heart over to him, and so like at the beginning there was no selfish desire or ambition or like thing that I was trying to get out of it like that sh that episode you guys have seen was shot like 11 months ago, and I've been his friend ever since and we've been hanging out and it's been beautiful and I've been loving it and I will still continue to do it. But three months ago, Chico had some other supernatural experiences. It's a much longer story. But through a system of, or a series of, of events, he's come to faith in Christ. But my point is, is that even if he didn't, I would still view him the same that I see him today. I would still honor him and value him as a brother, even if he didn't accept Jesus three months ago. And, and the proof is in the last year of our relationship, you know, He'll tell you how many times I ever preached to him. I ever tried to bash him over the head with any kind of spirituality. Like, never happened. Yeah, not yeah, once. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's a um, cool story. And thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. And if you want to check out Justin's work and what he's up to, I'm listening. Is it, It's a podcast or is this a YouTube channel? It's a YouTube channel right now. I'm waiting till we have half a dozen or so episodes before I release an audio exclusive yeah. version of it. But it, in short time, it will be an audio uh, podcast as well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And thanks for joining us on Instagram Live. We had a few people ask some questions and get involved yeah. on Instagram Live. Yeah. We, if you want to make contact with us, you can send us a message through DMs or ideasdigest at gmail.com. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you agree or disagree with Justin... It really doesn't matter. Yeah. We hopefully, hopefully you have you have learned something. <laughs> hopefully you can understand his journey, what he's up to, what has led him there. And if you have any questions, get involved, send a question. We've loved having you on the show, Justin. Thanks for being involved and being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was a blast for me. Thank you both for uh, for for inviting me and thinking of me. And you guys are killing it, man. Like the 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 number of layers you peel back and keep going down like I wasn't expecting it, and that's you know usually why my answers are a little bit briefer. But I, I appreciate it. Like, it's so cool, and uh, I think if I feel anywhere close to how uh, your other guests have felt, like you guys are hit, you guys are hitting it out of the park for sure. You guys are you're exceptional at what you're doing. Oh, generous, Thank you so much. Really As a review like that, we better get you back on to <laughs> yeah. pump our tires a little bit more. But thanks, <laughs> thank, thank you so much, and thanks so much for joining us. We will catch you in the next episode.